Welcome to the Podcast Review Show, hosted by radio veteran Eric K. Johnson from PodcastTalentCoach.com and Hall of Fame podcaster Dave Jackson from the School of Podcasting. Dave and Eric help you identify those things you are doing right so you can do more of those and lose those things that don't deliver value to your audience. Join in on the conversation at podcastreviewshow.com. All right, welcome to the Podcast Review Show. I'm Dave Jackson from the School of Podcasting. This is where we bring people on who want to make their show better. Joining me is Eric K. Johnson from Podcast Talent Coach. Eric, how are you, buddy? Things are good, Dave. Thanks for having me along for the ride again. Looking forward to it. And tonight we're going to be talking with Scott from PayPod, the Payments and Fintech Podcast. You can find that over at sorepay.com slash podcast. Scott, how are you? Doing great. Thanks for having me on. Ah, and uh, tell us a little bit about what inspired you to start the podcast. Yeah. What inspired me was I was asked okay. <laughs> by the, the, the company. I wasn't actually working for them directly. I've had a number of podcasts that I've worked on in various subjects over the years. And I had a business relationship with one of the owners of the business and they knew I was doing these kind of freelance podcasting. And, and he said, Hey, we want a engine where we can have a great piece of content, also market our business and grow it and all of that. And so he asked, Hey, will you produce this? And actually, would you host it? And at that point, I actually didn't know much at all about the payments or fintech world. And so I dove right in of, hey, I'm this novice. Yeah. <laughs> Let me go find some experts and learn more. And uh, that's what spurned it. And then as I went on, I was fortunate to have success with it and it was doing well. And I had an opportunity to come on full time and actually start heading up more sales things and marketing things for the company itself. And then I've just kept doing the, uh, the podcast ever since. Nice. What are you hoping to to get from tonight? What are you hoping for us to really focus on and, and give you the best feedback? I think number one for me is I, I don't want the show to become stale, A. And B, I think I've had some challenges with just feeling as though I'm all over the map with certain guests and how the show is structured. And if if there's a, a way to improve what I'm doing, how my how each episode's laid out, how, you know, who I'm trying to find really, if they're, maybe it's good to not have just one focus on one type of guest. So I guess that's, it's really content I'm really curious about because I think that's key to hopefully growing it even more because I think I've been growing slowly and steadily, but I really would love to reach that inflection point where it's, hey, you've got a really fantastic podcast that even random layperson wants to listen to. And how to match that with business goals is, has been my challenge. Got it. And I think in... Because we always send you out a questionnaire. You said your your really your goal was to... Where'd it go? I'll know this podcast is successful simply if our downloads continue to increase. We're able to land some true rock star guests and that is great. I think we all want our, our downloads to grow. I was curious then what about SorePay. What's in this for SorePay? Because I, I thought this might have been a somewhat, what well, sounds a little bit like a branded podcast. 
Yeah. No, it absolutely is. And for SorPay, it helps us in a number of ways. Number one is just when you have a piece of content that is something that people really enjoy, they download it, they share it, they talk about it, they blog about it, whatever it is, that's just helpful to our website and and the growth of our business itself. And then the second piece is in merchant services. So we what we do is we help businesses get set up to accept credit cards or other various types of payments. And merchant services is very competitive. And so you want to differentiate yourself and you want to... You basically have to convince a merchant, hey, I'm going to go with this person because so many people are offering, they have the same value proposition. Uh, There's people competing on price and cutting things down to where it's you're making a penny, that's it. And so what the podcast has done has really been a vehicle to educate and really bring people into our brand. I do sales, so I'll take sales calls. And I've had calls with merchants who are like, are you Scott from the podcast? Yes, that's me. (laughs) And that's just a fantastic thing if you're trying to say, hey, come on board. We want you to be one of our merchants. So is the podcast intended for business to business where you're talking to potential clients that are merchants? Or are you creating this also for just the lay person who might want to invest into alternate currency and that sort of thing? That's a really great question. And I'm trying to do both. I want to have something... I, as, if you can have an episode that's just for someone who's business to business, that's great. I want pieces for that. And I want someone who's into cryptocurrency or just really curious. There's people that are like Apple fanboys. I had an episode where I talked all about uh, Apple Pay with, a, with an Apple blogger. And I want that person to be excited and want to listen to this and learn something new. Especially as we get into everything, there are so many great financial tools out there, apps, all of this stuff. That does matter. That's relevant to the average layperson. So I want to hit both if I can. Got it. Great. Eric, how much did you know about uh, cryptocurrency before you listened to this? I knew very little about crypto. I, I know what Bitcoin is. Yes. In fact, that it's a cryptocurrency. How I would go about getting any of it, I have no idea. <laughs> so I was coming into this like, all right, well, let's learn. That was it. I was excited when he picked this episode. Uh, and it's why Bitcoin is the only cryptocurrency that matters with Alexander Svetsky, I think is that Svetsky, yeah. yeah, of Amber, which is a, an app. So here is the uh, opening minute and a half. Welcome to PayPod, the show that features thought-provoking interviews with leaders and entrepreneurs in the payments and financial technology industries. From credit card processing to Bitcoin, we cover it all. So if you want to know what's happening right now in the payments industry, stay tuned. Now, here's your host, Scott Hawksworth. Hey, what's happening, everyone? Scott here with you again and serving up another edition of PayPod, the Payments and Fintech Podcast. This week, we are back to talking about crypto and specifically Bitcoin. Even more specifically, how to, quote, get in on Bitcoin and what the latest developments are in the world of cryptocurrencies. A lot of people might be interested in Bitcoin and maybe they even want to invest or they want to buy some, but they don't necessarily want to invest heavily. They don't maybe not even know where to begin or may they they just want to set it and forget it and have a more passive investment strategy. Well, the good news is, is if that describes you, there's an app for that. 
I'm so thrilled to be joined by Alexander Svetsky, who is an entrepreneur and Bitcoin enthusiast whose latest project is called Amber. Amber is an app that makes buying Bitcoin easy. Now, the bad news for folks in the US is that it's currently not available here, but if you're in Australia, you're all set. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Regardless, Alex has a ton of insight to offer on Bitcoin in general and entrepreneurship. And he has a unique contrarian viewpoint on a number of these topics I'm excited to dive into. So Alex, welcome to the show, man. Thank you so much, man. What an awesome intro. Appreciate it. All right. So that's the first, I think it was a minute and a half or so. Eric, what are your thoughts on the opening? Couple, a uh, couple thoughts. The recorded opening where she introduces the show, I like that a lot. Great mm -hmm. short opening, got right to the point. Tells the listener what the show's all about. I would have liked to have heard a little bit more about the benefit of the show to the listener rather than just here's what the show is all about. You do a little bit of that when you come in. Okay, if you don't know anything about uh, cryptocurrency or this or that or how to invest in it, we're going to get into that today. That tells me the benefit of the episode. I would like to hear a little bit of the benefit of the of the podcast overall. Like every week, we give you tips that you can use to go invest in cryptocurrency yourself. Or if you're if you need help with merchant services, this is the place to be. So some benefit to the listener in that show open, but I love the briefness of it. So I don't want to see it expand too much because I love how, bam, we get right through it. And as we get into the interview itself, you do a nice job introducing the guest and giving us a reason why we should care about what he has to say, the fact that he's got a background and that sort of thing. And when you eventually get into the interview, you start with a great question. It wasn't the, tell us a little bit about yourself the generic wandering into an, an interview like we most often hear. You started with a great solid question right up front. So I thought the start of it was really good. The only thing I would suggest is that if we're using this as a marketing tool for the company and we're trying to attract clients to you, leave yourself a little room at the beginning of that before the discussion starts to mm -hmm. demonstrate your authority in the space and what you do and how you help people and just tout yourself, pat yourself on the back a little bit. Give yourself some breathing room there at the front. Maybe you give us a, a little tip of what's going on in the industry today or the tip of the week or how you helped somebody this week. Some Something like that just shows us you know what you're talking about. You do a great job telling us why we should listen to to the guest. Let's let's toot your own horn a little bit at first before we roll into the to the interview. And that might be something you do in post production. You might record the interview and then as you're put piecing it all together, do some of that rather than having him on the line while you're going through all of that good stuff. But so a lot of feedback in for a minute and a half segment, but that, that, that's my thought. That's one of the things that I had in my notes is with any interview, I always like to see the Jerry Springer ending, which is what did we learn today? Because you just made your guests sound great, but it's your way of saying, and here's what I think about that, because in the end, you want to build that relationship with you. So I'm going to share my thoughts on what he just said and what you agree with and things like that. I was. And let me jump in right there, Dave. I, I love that concept. But as we both know, you all your entire audience doesn't make it to the end of the episode. That's a good point. Right? There may be about a 40 to 50% make it all the way to the end. People stop listening to a podcast when they're done doing whatever it is they're doing. So if they're listening to you while they're working out, when they're done working out, they're done listening to you. <laughs> doesn't matter where they are in the episode. That's a good point. So don't wait until the end to demonstrate your authority. Yeah. Put the put the good stuff right up front to make sure they get it. 
Oh, sorry, go That's ahead. That's all right. The other thing that I, I finally now get it is when I hear people from overseas go, you guys talk about things that are so specific to America, and I just feel like, Pah. And so I'm like, when, when you start off, like, hey, if you're new to Bitcoin, this is the thing. And I'm like, all right, good. I'm going to buy me some of this Bitcoin when I get done. And then they go, in, as long as you're in Australia. And I was like, oh, <laughs> son of a bitch, really? Oh, for you. Yeah, so I don't know how you've, I don't know if you go, but if you're in America, go back and listen to episode 12. I don't know. How, I don't know if you would have done that. I just, I was, that is a problem. What do you do when something is only specific? That was my one thing, but I was excited because I am coming into this. Everybody I know is, you don't have any Bitcoin yet? Seriously? Like, I feel like I'm really missing the boat. That was a good discussion about cryptocurrency itself worldwide and not specifically on the app that's not available. You, I think you did overall, as we'll see as we go through the show, you do a good job balancing the discussion of the app with the discussion of the industry overall. And so even though we can't get the app in the U.S., we still get a little bit of the other talk. Now, it was over my head, but we still got the talk. Let me ask Eric, I'm going to I'm gonna quiz you, because it was the one thing that I got done. I was like, wait a minute. How does the app work? What is? I know it helps store it, it, like a savings account for crypto, but I'm not sure. Do you go in and just say... I would like to deposit to crypto, please. My That's what I got. For, I, I wasn't quite sure how the app functioned just because I think I was a little over my head with a lot of the lingo right. that happens in the episode. But to me, it sounds like he says, I go in, set it up and then don't look at it for 10 years because he just wants you to continue to deposit a little bit of your money in there to build up your cryptocurrency over time. Just like investments. If you have a good investment guy, buy your buy and hold your mutual funds and don't go babysit them every day. Yeah, because that's, that's what it is. Because yeah. I know at one point he said, we started off where you would round up your payments and it would take the change, I think he said, and it would deposit it. And then they changed that. And I'm like, to what? Like, how do I... Because all the time I'm like, how do I buy crypto then? So that was the thing. I never had a clear picture besides the fact that it's a savings account for your crypto where you just put it in there and let it sit. I really like this clip because this guy is not afraid. It's Yes, it's rah-rah crypto, but he's also willing to say this. Because Bitcoin's outcome will be binary, it's either going to, the whole thing's going to blow up and we're going to end up living in some 1984 society where our money is tracked, traced and followed like the social credit system that's happening in China today, or Bitcoin will succeed and it'll be a parallel economic system. And the value of each each Bitcoin is going to be extraordinarily higher than it is today. So as a result, having some exposure is a smart idea. Your downside risk is minimal and your upside is stupendous. So that's really the essence. So I like the fact that he was able to say, this could be really great. Or the government could step in and shut it down or whatever, however he wants to paraphrase that. So I thought that was cool. But I knew at certain points where I was just like, you know what? I, I don't believe I'm the target audience here. I'll give you a quick clip here. That's the story that so many people know is that pizza, right? The first pizza that was bought with Bitcoin and how expensive that pizza is now. And I'm like, actually, no, not everybody does know that. <laughs> and then this was the one I think. It's a nascent growing asset. And it's the first time in history we've ever had a an asset that we can invest in with an inelastic supply that has never in history existed before. The only two things in the world that are inelastic in supply is energy and time. And now we've got a third for the first time, Bitcoin. That doesn't exist anywhere else in the universe. So like literally, this thing will be 
extremely volatile and violent in its movement as a result of that fact. And, and the best method for your own sanity is to just set some parameters whilst you're rational and unemotional and then just walk away and let it do its thing. I love that. Wasn't Interlastic a big hit back in the 70s? <laughs> Interlastic. Dun, 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 I, I, thought dun, dun, it, I thought it was a Beastie Boys. Yeah, thing. something. So, so here, so God, let me jump in here. This is the reason... This is the exact reason we want to identify a single target listener, because when we before we did the episode, we were talking about who your target listener is. And you told me that your target listener is payments and fintech professionals, which is great. Perfect. This is right in their wheelhouse. They get it. They understand it. But then you said, but it's also entrepreneurs and it's also merchants. And so if it's entrepreneurs and merchants, I think we're we need a little more explanation for those people to understand what we're talking about here. So to Dave's point, if, if it's payment professionals and FinTech professionals, and you say, everybody knows about that first pizza and how expensive it is today. All of those people are like, absolutely hundred percent exile. I know what I'm right there. But if you're talking to entrepreneurs and merchants who could possibly use this payment system in their business in the future, they don't know it. And so you would have to explain it to them. But then your fintech professionals are going, well, yeah, we know what this is. Why are we going into so much detail? <laughs> Why are we slowing down? Yeah. So we need to figure out if we're talking to those that are passionate about financial technology or those that might have an interest in financial technology and want to learn more about it. Yeah. And- now, there's a way to serve both, but you need to really embrace one of them. So let's say we're talking to fintech professionals, but we know we have these entrepreneurs and these merchants listening along. And you could say something like, everybody knows that first pizza that was purchased with Bitcoin and how expensive it is today. You bought it back then for $5. But if you took that Bitcoin and converted it today, it's worth $250,000 or whatever the, the measurement is. Everybody knows that's what that is. Then the entrepreneurs and the merchants are going, oh yeah, yeah, I knew that. I knew that. But they're, they haven't been left behind. They're still caught up with the conversation. So that's the reason when you clearly identify that single person you're talking to and you know everything about them, now what sort of examples you need to give in order for them to keep up with the with the conversation, what sort of stories to tell, what kind of background information you need to give. During this interview, he starts dropping some acronyms and I'm like, I I don't know what that acronym meant. (laughs) Those letters just flew right by me. But if it's for the fintech professional, they know. And so you don't need to explain it. Yeah. Because I know, I and even that one, I knew that whatever it was when they bought the pizza, it's worth a whole lot more. So I wasn't clueless. I was just kind of, how much bigger is it? Is it a you know $12 million pizza now? What's going on? But I did figure out by the end of the episode, on-ramps and off-ramps. Is on, and on-ramp is putting money in and off-ramp is taking money out of your bill. And I did, again, I forget the thing you said that means cents in Bitcoin. That was like, ooh, I, I know. Of course, I can't remember it now, but I was like, there's a new <laughs> word. I'm going to write that one down. It was educational. It just, there was a lot of times I, I needed to go watch Wheel, Wheel of Fortune because if you ever notice, there's Jeopardy, which makes you feel really stupid. And then you watch Wheel of Fortune and you feel real smart. So after this episode, for me, not being in the fintech industry, I was like, I don't know what I just listened to. But, but I was excited. I, I am now even more like, 
all right, I need, I need to go through your website and find the one that's for Bitcoin or that guy. Oh, that's one thing I had. Uh, we're not going to jump to your website yet. The guy said he had, he written, he written. Okay, sure. <laughs> the guy said he had authored a book on Bitcoin 101 and you said, oh, I'll put a link to that in the show notes. And you didn't. Eric, any other thoughts on the, the interview? There was one piece in there. It goes back to my target listener. So I'm not going to beat a dead horse, but you get into blockchain and mm. I, I don't know what that means and what blockchain is. And it was a pretty long discussion about it. And so that goes back to if the goal of the show is to educate listeners, let's be sure we do that with those sorts of just even a quick definition of it before you jump into a full because he got into the this whole controversy of whether or not it's legit and this whole thing. And I'm going, I don't I don't know what it is, let alone know if it's legit. But on the other hand, if we're talking to people already in the industry and they know what blockchain is, then don't do that. But again, it goes back to determining who we're talking to and what we're trying to accomplish. Yeah, the thing, and um, and that was about it. Yeah, the thing I liked is, and I almost for me it was the more engaging part of the interview is when you got to the contrarian part, and you did two things great about this. Number one, you weren't afraid to ask the hard question because you're like, look, everybody else is a blockchain raw, and you're going to come in and pee in people's Cheerios. Are you seriously going to do that? And what's great is then you just shut, and the guy, and I think it was interesting because he was even more passionate because he, he was very much Bitcoin raw, but man, when he got to the stuff he hated, he was super like, and this is, and I will game, set, match anyone who will do this. How dare you, sir? <laughs> kind of stuff. Uh, and I thought that was real. And I was like, wow. And I still didn't quite get what he was talking about, but he just, I don't know. It, it wasn't quite so jargony in I, it made sense a little bit uh, more to me. And I just, I thought he was making good points. And I, I like the fact that it was contrarian. It was like, hey, I'm going to go against the grain. I thought it was cool for you to let him do that. And for him to very much so say, look, if I'm wrong, I'll be more than happy to have a dialogue with you. But every time I ask somebody about some of the jargon and he goes, the minute you do, they go, oh, preparation or whatever. The, the, there was a P word in there, propagation or something. <laughs> and so I really liked that part. I thought that was cool. On a, tell me how, like when you're writing, because I'm doing it right now as we speak, how do you come up with your questions? Because I noticed some of them, and this is Dave being a little nitpicky, like there was one where you asked, let me see if I have the clip here. You had four questions in one. Let me play this for you. Okay, I have to ask you about this because I introduced you at the top as a contrarian. From what I understand, and correct me if I'm wrong here, you think blockchain is maybe not it's all it's being built up to be. What are your thoughts on this underlying technology? Why aren't you so smitten with all of its use cases <laughs> and potential as other entrepreneurs mm. and business folks are? Okay, that's only two questions. That's not the clip I was thinking of, but that's the one I was talking about. And I like the fact that you asked it and, and then you just did a good job of just staying out of the way where some people will interject and put their, you just let him go. The other thing, and Eric mentioned this at the beginning, I thought was great, is you said, hey, I heard you on this other podcast. I thought, A, that's really cool because it shows you did your homework. And B, we just learned your whole life history and we don't want to go there again. So in the Cliff Notes version, can you tell us this? Now, he didn't really give you a Cliff Notes version, but it was shorter than that whole episode. So I thought that was, I'm with Eric. I was like, hallelujah, you're not going, tell me about, tell us a little bit about you. That drives me 
nuts. That's nails on a chalkboard. So I thought it was cool that you like, Hey, this is not what I like. Don't give me your life history. Let's get to the uh, blockchain Bitcoin kind of discussion. I thought that was cool. If I could, if I could give you just a thought about the podcast overall at the beginning, at the intro, when you come in and you welcome everybody to the show, you're a little stiff and you're a little choppy and welcome to the show, everybody. And this week we are going to talk about when it's very, very bright, like you're, you're very stiff, like you're performing. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as you get into the conversation with him, even when you start talking about him and introducing him, you relax totally and you become Scott and it's fluid. And the stiffness only happens at the very beginning when you start introducing the show. So it's maybe, 30 to 60 seconds. And then all of a sudden you become you and you're relayed back. And when you get into the conversation, you are super conversational and right on. And the conversation moves forward. It's got momentum through the whole thing. When to jump in, when his answers are done and you don't go, wow, that was, that's great. And then awkward pause while you think of another question. That doesn't happen. It's very conversational. You do a great job through that. I would try and bring some of that warmth that you have during the conversation to the beginning of the show. So rather than you're talking to him, you're talking to that one listener that we've defined now. And you just say, hey, thanks again for being here. I got a great show for you this week. This is who we're talking to. And this is what you're going to learn. And Man, I hope you're ready for it. I hope you got something to write with because I'm going to give you some nuggets today you're going to love. And here's the deal. And just be very conversational from the get-go because I think you do a great job. And there were, I only heard where Dave says you answer, ask two, three, four questions at a time. I didn't hear that very often. No. There were a couple times, but it was. I think it was more of a time when a question just popped into your head and you're like, wait a minute, let me ask him about this. And you hadn't quite thought the question all the way through yet which is usually when those crazy questions happen. Yeah. Uh, but most of the time you were right on the spot on and you were going and you would do a nice transition. You would sum up what he said and then you would say, but what about this? And you would always ask the question and then stop talking, which is great. Many people ask the question and then try and justify the question and they talk. And by the time they stop talking, the guest has forgot what the question was. <laughs> so I think you do a nice job overall with the conversation and the momentum of the show. Yeah, that was, I'm with Eric. When you finally popped in, it was number one. It, it wasn't uh, like Eric said, it wasn't scripted and just, Hey, today we're going to talk about this and this guy's coming on. And it was very much just, you were excited without being obnoxious radio guy with the Auga horn. There was some energy there. <laughs> Without being like, wow, what's this guy on kind of thing. So I thought it was uh, good as well. Let's, let's take a listen here to how you wrap things up. That's it for our show today. Thank you so much for listening. And if you like what we do here, don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes or whatever your preferred podcast listening platform is. We'll be back with another episode very soon. Thank you for listening to another episode of PayPod, brought to you by Soar Payments. Soar Payments is a leading merchant services provider for e-commerce, high-risk, and hard-to-place businesses. If you'd like to get the latest PayPod episode sent to you automatically, subscribe to the show via iTunes or Stitcher, or visit soarpay.com slash podcast. Good energy. So for me, if we want to, again, I'm like the king of nitpicky tonight. Apple frowns. They frown when you call it iTunes.
It's changed. Apple Podcasts. Yeah. If you, because it really is all about the subscribers. And for me, <laughs> a, a part of me dies every time I hear somebody say, please rate and review us. Now, the good news is you didn't say, because it helps us get found, because that's the one that will send me over the edge. <laughs> uh, ratings and reviews are great. They're the the primary thing I've seen those used for is if you're trying to get a sponsor, because people will go, oh, wow, you really do have an engaged audience. But other than that, they don't do anything in Apple. And I would, if you want, it doesn't have to be in your navigation, but if you make a, a page like, hey, go to sorepay.com slash subscribe, and you can subscribe in whatever in your favorite podcast app. And then you have, cause you have a great job when you go to the website there, uh, sorepay.com slash podcast, you've got Apple, Google, and Spotify, which are the top three. If I was going to add one, I'd add Amazon, but we'll, we won't find out for about another month or two in terms of just how popular that platform is. You would think it'd be cause it's, well, it's Amazon. They like to do big stuff. They've got their muscle there. So, yeah. so that would be my only other thing is instead of saying Apple and Stitcher, just say, Hey, go here to subscribe. And and that way you can subscribe and it gives you another chance. I, I like the fact that she came on and re-emphasized your website. Eric, any thoughts on the ending? Yeah, good news and bad news. Uh, <laughs> the good news was uh, you only had one call to action, which yeah, that I is true. love. Fantastic. Great job. Love that. Bad news is I think it was a poor choice for a call to action because it doesn't get you closer to your goals. Mm. You know, in, in your... Intake form, we asked you what your goals were, what you want your audience to do, and you told us that you want more feedback on the topics that interest them most. So if that's what you want your audience to do, let's make that your call to action. Mm. What do you want to see? What do you want to learn about? What can I teach you? How do I send me some feedback at feedback at show.com or head to the website at website.com slash feedback or whatever. Make the one call to action your goal. You know, getting getting people to rate and review you doesn't get you closer to that goal. That's the only reason I thought it was a poor choice for your call to action. I do appreciate it that it was only one, um, <laughs> but let's make it what you want your audience to do the most. And your call to action doesn't yeah, have to be the same call to action every week. So this week, it could be feedback. Next week, it could be subscribe to the show. The next week, it could be pet your cat twice for me, whatever you want it to be. Yeah. But again. Think of all the podcasts you listen to. How many times have you gone and read the ratings and reviews? The chances are you've discovered new podcasts because your buddy told you about it. Have you listened to this podcast? It's great. Or you've heard it mentioned on social media or on another podcast or in conversation, or you saw it mentioned in an article. And then you're like, wow, that sounds like a pretty cool podcast. I think I'll go check it out. Rarely are we surfing through Apple podcasts and looking at ratings and reviews before we go, you know what? I'll check that out because I, what I find most of the time are the people who are writing ratings and reviews don't know what they're talking about anyway, because they don't know my tastes. It's like people who hate movies. I love and people right. <laughs> that love the movies I hate. Or in many cases, so, it's somebody who's done a review for a review. So you see a lot of like great show, love the host next review. Great show. Love the host. This guy really knows what he's talking about. Yeah, all these generic, <laughs> non-specific kind of reviews. Right. I love that it was 32 minutes long. Like, I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's whatever. So that I thought it was great. Your your warmth here at the end was much better than at the beginning. At the beginning, it was very stiff. And right here, you still have that warmth you had in the conversation, which I love that about the about the close too. So nice work there. So as we go to the website, let me share this real quick. 
So hopefully you guys see that. I like the look of the the website. You've got uh, a nice use of what's the thing when there's not a lot of words? Uh, white, space. white space. Yeah. So everything's got a, a fair amount of white space around it. So it's not too jammed up on it. You've got links to, uh, in this case, your guests. Uh, you can get his app there. You can connect with the show. Uh, actually, I, did, I didn't see these earlier. This is going to be one of my suggestions. You actually have subscribe buttons right here. Which is cool. I just I thought they were a little difficult to find. Yeah. So on the on the main podcast page, I love the links to Apple Podcasts and the rest of them that are right there on the main page. But when you get into the episode page, finding the links were challenging. So here you have Apple Podcasts, you have Stitcher. They're right there. You can click on them, go listen on your favorite player. I love that. I'd like to see those big buttons on the episode page. Because trying to find it, it looks just like all the rest yeah, of the I, text. I just saw them. I was like, hey, they're here. That was going to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like the easy layout of this page right here. The podcast page that has all of your episodes on it. I love the grid feature. I'm very much of a, a clean grid kind of guy. I love driving in the U.S. because we're all on the grid. I hate <laughs> driving in Europe because they don't know what a grid means. Right. And, I'm the straight line kind of guy. And that's what I love about your website. It's really clean. For a financial website, this is the kind of image and brand you want to portray. As this is what it looks like. You can trust us because we have all of our ducks in a row. That's the image that this pot, this website gives off. I thought the podcast was easy to find from the homepage. There's yeah. only two drop-down menus. So it was really easy to find. And then just getting in onto the episode page a little bit, I'd like to see those nice app buttons from the main page on the episode page. Other than that, I wouldn't change anything. I like the rest of it. Yeah. the And I was even impressed because a lot of people don't realize this. You're using Libsyn as your media host. And if you go under your show settings, you can put links to all the different places. And that actually shows up on the player. I'm not sure most people know how that you can remove Google Play, by the way, that doesn't exist anymore. But I don't think most people know that if I click on that button, that's why I was really happy to see these down here. But I totally missed them until like right now. So wait, they are here. They're right here. So I don't know if I would, I'd be tempted to, because you have this featured on the show, which is all about the app. I'd almost make another heading, just Just subscribe to the show. And then here's the links kind of thing. But I'm with Eric. I thought it was cool. And then I was like, I wonder if there's a link at the bottom. And I go down to the bottom. Yep, there's a link down there at the bottom of the podcast. I'm like, that's awesome. There's really not much to say here, really. I was like, good job. And it's hard when you're a business. How do I have a landing page? And then how do I have a different landing page for my podcast? And I thought you guys did a great job because it's one is here. This is the one for the podcast. And then this is the one where you're trying to actually get people to do your products and services. Eric said, it's right there in the top. And I just thought it was one other thing I love about the, the podcast page itself is when you go all the way down to the bottom, all of the contact information is right there. The phone number and mm-hmm. all of it. I don't have to go click a contact button and then click the about us and then click jump through 17 hoops just to find a phone number to call somebody to tell you, I want to buy your stuff. You just scroll to the bottom and like, oh, if you want us, here's our phone number. Yeah. And I love that. I love that. It's, and it's not real wordy. It's not like I have to comb through 17 columns of information. It's right there and super easy to find. I love that there's what, six or nine episodes, and then you can click to see more. So I don't have to scroll for 17 days to get to the bottom of the page. (laughs) It's the, whoever does your website. I love it. It's the color schemes. Fantastic. The whole bit. Yeah. Yeah. You've even got the button tying in with the the color scheme of your website. 
they got decent photography and the everything's it's just one of those uh, where it's look there's a scheme here. There's a organizational to it. This is how we, and every episode kind of looks the same, but yet looks different. Yeah, it has a little template, like right there. Every episode has that template that you use. So they all, it has some organization to yeah, it. Where you have the person and you have who he is or whatever. And so it just it, lends credibility to what you do in the financial industry. Yeah. So I would love to find something to, we did, we make your subscribe buttons bigger <laughs> on the episodes. Yeah. I'm like, I can't really find much here, but <laughs> Yeah, we tore it apart. There, there are those subscribe <laughs> buttons. Man, you, <laughs> if only. Yeah. Do you have any questions for us? Yeah, I think one question that sort of came up when you were talking about my outro and the, the calls to action, would it maybe make sense to, if I did set up a page that was sorpay.com forward slash subscribe, if I said, subscribe here, and if you have any thoughts on a topic you'd like us to discuss or a guest you'd like to to see on the show, you can message us. Yeah. The call to action the, is go to the subscribe and then I have the subscribe information there and, and a contact you know, form and contact. Yeah. So the, so the, you only have one call to action and that's go to that page, right? That's your call to action. So then you say, if you have, if you have some feedback for the show, you want to subscribe, we have perfect links. We have all everything you need, our contact information and everything. All you need to do is go to the show.com slash page. And then, so that's your call to action. You're not trying to get them to do multiple things or different things. What you don't want to do is have your audience decide, shoot, do I decide to call them or do I email them or do I go to their website or do I follow them on social media? I can't decide which one to do. So I'm not doing anything. What you're doing is saying, whatever it is you want to do, go to this page, go to this page. You want to see my beard? Go to the page. You know, whatever you want to do. Exactly. You want to, you want to send me Christmas card? Go to the page. So sure. everything they want to do, send them to the page. So go to the page is your only call to action. Hmm. You're giving them multiple reasons and benefits to go to the page, but it's still only one. Sure. The other question I was thinking about is just in terms of the growth of the subscriber base. And that's been one of my big focuses because... I've gotten some great guests, some guests that I'm really glad that I've been able to get. And I've reached a point now where we have, I, I get emails almost every day of someone, you know, wanting to be on the show. We are, I've adjusted it because I was saying, oh, is it B2B? It really is. And there's a lot of payments and fintech professionals. Like I've had a lot of success with um, LinkedIn in terms of just promoting the episodes and and just getting the discussion going there and all of that. So my question is, is there anything more I should be doing in terms of trying to get that growth? Because I have run into in the past where I'm talking to a brand, I'm talking to their PR person or what have you, and I want to get their executive on whoever it is. And then they'll start asking about what are your numbers? What's this? What's that? And I'll tell them. And a few times they've been not as impressed. Other times they're very impressed. And I think the big thing is, is hey, you just got to get those numbers higher. So that's one of my big things. You could go into iTunes or Apple, either one, and if you get really good reviews, make a little media kit to say, hey, we've got X amount of reviews to show that, hey, we are we have an engaged audience. The other thing in terms of growth, you say you're working with the PR person. When, you, when the episode is done, let's say they come on your show. When yeah. the episode is done, are you giving them like, here's a link and an image and a pre-written tweet 
that kind of stuff? Because you really just want them to go, oh, cool, thanks, copy, paste, go. Yeah, so I don't actually provide them with a whole specific put together kit. But basically what I'll do is I'll say, hey, here's the show notes. I'll attach a logo. Mm-hmm. I'll say if you'd, I'll even say if you'd, I can give you the em- embed code for the Libsyn player. Yeah. I've even said, hey, I'll give you the raw audio file if you just want to post that on there. As long as you cite the original right. post here, the show notes, I do that. And I've reached a point where I really... Obviously, most of it's subject matter, but I'll shy away from someone who I don't feel really has a platform to actually mention the show if they're just like a random person who doesn't have, they don't even have their own blog or they have no Twitter following or something. This doesn't really help us grow necessarily. Got it. So a couple of thoughts, two different questions. First of all, the question of landing guests by leveraging the size of your audience When you approach guests and they say, how big is the audience? What you need to make them understand is because you're in such a a niche, your audience size isn't going to be the same as a generic business podcast audience. However, everybody in your audience is interested in your topic. Like it's a specific topic. And so it's quality over quantity. I do. It's a smaller audience than most, but they're all interested in this particular subject matter. We're, they're all interested in cryptocurrency and alternate forms of payment. Whereas if you go on the Inc. podcast, only a small portion of them would be interested in your subject matter. So though you're not reaching as many people, every person you're reaching is interested in your subject please understand that as you compare my audience to others. Yeah. So you're, make sure you're comparing apples to apples. With regard to growing your audience, you need to figure out what you're doing to get in front of people who aren't already aware of your show and already aware of you. Doing that through the guests that you have on your show is a great way to do that. And it's one way to do that. But if you're on LinkedIn or you're on social media or you're emailing your email list, those people already know about you and they're already aware of you. How are we getting in front of people who aren't? So you might consider being guests on other podcasts that put you in front of an audience. You might uh, consider doing some interview swaps where you interview somebody in a complimentary niche and they do the same for you. Uh, You might just swap mentions in your newsletter. Hey, I discovered a new podcast this week. It's called Dave Jackson's cryptocurrency. Check it out. And Dave does the same thing in his newsletter. Hey, I've discovered a new podcast. Here's what it is. Go check it out. And so you plug each other that way. But just find ways to go get in front of your ideal target listener, which is yet another reason to define that person. Because when you know all about them, you know where to find them. In your intake form, you talked about the Hangout and Reddit and stuff like that. And that might be an opportunity for you to go be active there in front of people who aren't already aware of you. Yeah. Reddit's a good place where you'll be able to see what are the top discussions on this topic. And maybe that would then help you find, Oh, we need to have, find somebody who's going to talk about this. And then you go to LinkedIn to find out who can talk about this topic and what's their audience look like. And then you are hitting all of the, right. uh, the bases, so to speak. Anything else we can help you with? No, I think that's really, those are, you guys have given me a lot to just look at and fine tune. And I think a lot of it too, it seems like 
Like you were just saying, all of the being on other podcasts and swapping. I've actually done that a few times, Mm -hmm. but it sounds like, hey, that's something I should be leaning into more and just almost leaning into the things that are going well and then tweaking the things that could be better. It it really seems that's going to be the key. And then the other thing is I've just found that the consistency of of our episodes has really helped. Just constantly releasing an episode. We do six a month now. And... I've already seen that inflection point where I was hat in hand begging for guests for the longest time. And now I I have too many, I don't have enough slots. (laughs) And so that's, it feels good. And I think I just want to keep pushing forward with that. Nice. Great. I do have to tell you, I would have never guessed you were on a blue Yeti. You sound great. And I don't know if you set up your microphone or if you had somebody do it for you, but you work it properly. You have the settings right where they need to be. It sounds great. And that's not an easy feat. So congratulations on that. <laughs> Thank you, you sound great on it. Yeah. I, um, <laughs> I had started a, I had a previous business I ran that was called Audio Skills, where I, <laughs> I had made videos about people learning how to record and mix music. So I picked up some things. <laughs> you did a nice job with it. Awesome. If you want to check out more from Scott, Go over to sorepay.com. If you want to check out the podcast, it's sorepay.com slash podcast. You can that's fu- Sor, S-O-A-R. That's uh, true. <laughs> Sorepay is a whole a other, that's where you're like, hey, it's time to pay up. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Or Sorbet. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Completely different thing. Eric, where can people find you? You can find me over at podcasttalentcoach.com anytime you'd like. And Dave, how about you? Uh, you can find me at schoolofpodcasting.com. And if you would like to be right here, Scott's got the seat warmed up for you. Go over to podcastreviewshow.com slash review me. So thanks so much for listening. We'll see you again with another episode of the Podcast Review Show. And remember, there's always room for improvement. Improvement.